Through this series called By Faith, we have spent a lot of time talking together on Sunday mornings about what it means to live by faith. We've talked about all the things we need to consider in order to be able to live by faith and to live a life that pleases God. Faith grows as we exercise it, as we've learned, as we treat it like a muscle. We don't passively stand by and hope that somehow maybe God's going to do something. But when God gives us a promise, we claim it, we prepare for it, and if need be, we sacrifice for it. Faith isn't just a set of religious beliefs. Faith is a partnership with God where God uses ordinary flawed people like Rahab and like Joshua and like me and like you through the faith that we carry. Faith comes through reading the Bible. Faith comes through praying and asking God to give us more faith. And faith comes through actively remembering and reminding each other at times like this how God has worked in our lives in the past because we can't trust God for the future unless we remember what God has done for us in the past. In fact, in prior weeks, we've talked about this idea of memorials, haven't we? We've talked about memorials, which are these visuals that remind us of our past. And today, as you see with this cross on the stage, we will be creating a memorial together out of stones. Stones like these that you have been working on. Hopefully you brought your stones with you today. These stones are imprinted with the memories from our past, those times when we have seen God to be faithful and he has carried us through. In times when we thought there's no way we're going to make it through and God showed us how to make it through. Today, we're going to build a memorial in that cross of these rocks and we will remind not only ourselves, but many generations to come that God is faithful. That God is faithful to his people and that God is faithful to us. Today, I want to encourage you, we're going to be, as I'm, as I'm unpacking the word today from Joshua chapter 10, you can feel free to turn your Bibles there. But if you have kids with you and, you just, and they get a little bit antsy, that is totally okay. There's, we've actually set an activity table up in the back corner of the room with uh, blank stones and some markers. And you guys can feel free at any time to go back there. Even you big kids, you can go back there as well if you want to. If, if you get a little bit bored with me, you can just walk back there. I don't think you will be, but that activity center is back there for you guys. Feel free to just go back there and make your rocks if you would like to this morning. But go ahead and turn with me to Joshua chapter 10 for just a few minutes if you would. Today we're going to see in the Bible what can happen when we put together all the things that we have learned about what it means to live by faith. When we listen to God, when we are obedient, when we are bold and courageous enough to trust Him and to step out in faith. Because this is where we're going today. When we align our faith and our lives with God's will, we are in the position for a miracle. I'm going to say that again. When we live by faith, when we align ourselves and choose to live by faith, and at the same time we align ourselves with God's will, those are the two necessary ingredients for a miracle. And that's what I believe God was going to show us in our future as we press forward. And it's in times like those when God does the unexpected among us that we have defining moments that stick with us for the rest of our lives. In this story that we're going to be looking at this, this morning, God's people are living by faith and they're living lives of obedience. And as long as both things are in place, God's blessing them and God is clearing the way for them. 
In chapter 10, we see that there's a king from Jerusalem called Adonizedek. And this king is worried because all of these armies that the Israelites have faced, all these armies that have come against the armies of Israel, they have come against the Israelites and they have just been utterly destroyed. They've been defeated. And this nearby city, this city called Gibeon, is a rather large city. They, their philosophy is, well, if you can't beat them, join them. So they align themselves with the Israelites, they make a peace treaty with them, and they decide, we're just going to follow alongside the Israelites rather than trying to oppose them. So Adonizedek, he is standing there, and he's, he's seeing the reality of what's coming. He's thinking, sooner or later, these Israelites are going to be at my city, and they're going to be taking it over as well. And he decides he is going to figure out anything he can do to destroy these Israelite people, these people of God. And he decides, we're going to start by destroying these Gibeonites for changing kings on us. So he pulls all of these local armies together to wipe the Gibeonites off the map once and for all. The Gibeonites find out about this, and this is what happens. Joshua 10, verse 6. It says, The men of Gibeon quickly sent messengers to Joshua at his camp in Gilgal. Don't abandon your servants now, they pleaded. Come at once. Save us. Help us. For all the Amorite kings who live in the hill country have joined forces to attack us. So Joshua and his entire army, including his best warriors, left Gilgal and set out for Gibeon. Do not be afraid of them, the Lord said to Joshua, for I have given you victory over them. Not a single one of them will be able to stand up against you. Now, if you remember from a couple of weeks ago, the Gibeonites in chapter 9 had resorted to tricking the, armies of Israel, the army of Israel by signing a peace treaty with them. And as a result of that, um, they were basically allies. Now, at this point, as the Gibeonites are getting ready to be attacked, this is a moment when Joshua and the Israelite people could have turned their backs on the Gibeonites. This could have been really good payback to these guys, right? This could have been like, you know what, we really didn't want to sign that peace treaty with you in the first place, so guess what? You guys are on your own. But Joshua was a man of his word, and he followed through to support and defend them. But think about this for a moment. What the Gibeonites are asking the Israeli people to do in this moment is enormous. He's not just saying, hey, come and help us as an army attacks us. Five armies are getting ready to converge on this town of Gibeon and destroy them, to wipe them off the map. And they're saying to this one Israelite army, will you help us? It's unlike anything these Israelite people had ever faced before. But Joshua listened to God in that moment. And God promised him that he had nothing to fear, that it was a done deal, that God had already given them the victory. Years before, the Israelite people hadn't believed God. Years before, when they got to that point where faith was required, when they got to the banks of the Jordan River, they turned and then they walked back into the desert. They said, God can't do this for us. But this time, as they crossed the river, they trusted God. This time, as they heard the cries of the Gibeonites, they trusted God. They trusted that God was going to be with them, and when he said he was going to be with them, he would be with them and see them through, and they would have a victory. Joshua and the Israelites, they marched all night long, it says in verse 9, up over 20 miles across a mountain range, which should have worn them out. But because God was with them, they surprised all of their enemies, they threw them into a panic, and they defeated them even as they were running away in retreat. This last, this, this retreating lasts all day long. And Joshua is concerned that the armies are going to somehow get away as the sun sets and they're going to regroup under the cover of darkness. 
So I love what Joshua does in this moment. He just cries out to God and he says, God, I need you to do a miracle. This is what he asked God in verse 12. Listen, listen to this. It says, On the day the Lord gave the Israelites victory over the Amorites, Joshua prayed to the Lord in front of all the people of Israel. He said, Let the sun stand still over Gibeon and the moon over the valley of Ajalon. And then it says in verse 13, So the sun stood still and the moon stayed in place until the nation of Israel had defeated their enemies. Can you believe that? Joshua had the audacity to ask God to make the sun stand still. How many of you ever prayed a prayer like that? How many of you ever prayed a prayer and it didn't even make a whole lot of sense, but you were just crying out to God and you're like, God, you need to do a miracle right now. I'm depending on you. Make the sun stand still. Whatever you have to do. I love this prayer. I love this prayer because Joshua doesn't even get his prayer right. What we, what we know today is that the sun doesn't move around the earth. The earth moves around the sun. So he didn't even get his prayer right. Yet God answers Joshua's prayer because when we align our faith and our lives with God's will, we put ourselves in the position for a miracle. What this tells me is that ordinary guys like Joshua, like you and like me, we can, we can pray crazy prayers. We can pray prayers of faith. And if we walk in obedience to God and we pray according to his will in faith, by faith, God will answer. No matter how big, no matter how unexpected the prayer or its answer might be, that doesn't matter to God. That doesn't matter to God one bit. This reminds me that God isn't insulted by the bigness of your prayers or even the ones that don't make a whole lot of sense sometimes. He's only insulted by the smallness of them. I'm going to say that again. God isn't insulted by the bigness of your prayers. He's just insulted by the smallness of them. So oftentimes we pray and we believe that God will do little to nothing. Our expectations of God can be so small, can't they? God wants to do big things in your life and in mine. To use the gifts that he's given you and me to help others to come to know him in this community and around the world. Hear me. I have said this before seven years ago and I'm going to say it again. If the size of the vision for your life isn't at least a little bit intimidating to you, then there's a good chance it's insulting to God. If the size of the vision of your life isn't at least a little bit intimidating to you, then there's a good chance it's insulting to God. If there's nothing big that you're believing God for, I'd venture to say that the God you serve is too small. Because what you expect Him to do in your life is a direct reflection of what you believe about God's capability, His character, and His desire to do great things in your life. Seven years ago, this month, on my candidating weekend before you, I stood up before you and I gave a message. Later that day, you decided to call me as your pastor. But I remember that day so vividly. I stood before you, I introduced myself, and I put my heart out before you. I told you about my life and my background 
and I confess to you that I was just an ordinary guy from rural Georgia who loved God and loved people. And I was willing to do anything short of sin to help see another person take one step closer to Jesus. I shared with you that day five things that God had already put on my heart as prayers for grace. Prayers that God had put on my heart weeks prior and every single day as I was waiting for that candidating weekend to come. I prayed these prayers over and over again. I don't know if you, any of you even remember what those prayers were. They were these. Number one, I prayed that grace would be known as a praying church. A church that would make every decision it chose to make by the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, I prayed that we would be a church that would take risks and grow from any missteps that we make along the way. I prayed that we would be a church that speaks for those in our community and our world who have no voice, that we would stand for justice when justice was needed, and we would lead the way. I prayed that we would be a church that would be relevant, that would make a difference in people's lives regardless of age. And lastly, I prayed, and this was the biggest one for me, I prayed that we would be a church that found so many ways to meet the needs of others and to share Christ's love in our community that we would be known all over town for that. Guys, we have seen a lot of victories over the last seven years. God has moved in our midst in some incredible ways. Sometimes as time passes, we forget about those things. I want to remind you of just a few of those this morning. Over the last seven years, we have seen over 100 people make confessions of faith in Jesus as a result of the work of Grace Community Church. Over the last seven years, we have seen over 100 people, in addition, become partners at Grace and go all in to help us fulfill our mission for the future. Several dozen people over the last seven years have walked into the waters of baptism and they have made public professions of faith. And a few more will be doing so on May 20th in our services that day. We as a community over the last seven years have ministered to the homeless in Tucson as well as in Rocky Point. We have fostered kids. We, are, we, we have ministered to foster kids. We have ministered to refugees, to senior citizens gripped by poverty, to those who are going through grief and divorce and depression. We have given over $32,000 in the last seven years to minister to families in our community who are in crisis through our ministries of benevolence. We have had three or four all-church outreach weekends where we as a church have gone out and loved our community well. And guess what, guys? My vision for the future is that we're not just doing that once a year. My hope, my vision is that we're going to start doing that three or four times a year that we're doing that on a quarterly basis, that we are closing the doors of our church and we are loving our community better than any church in Oro Valley. That's what God's calling us. Over the last few years, we have raised a few thousand dollars for children who are earthquake victims in the mountains of Nepal. We've raised thousands more for orphans who are victims of the earthquakes in Haiti. We've built five wells around the world in villages with no water, thanks to one of our own students with a vision. We've started local and global partnerships and gotten involved in ministries like Sold No More, helping give a voice to those victims in our community of domestic minor sex trafficking, making sure they don't have to endure that ugly experience ever again. 
We've st- we started an annual comedy fundraiser years ago for that organization that has now continued annually and has raised over $50,000 for victims of sex trafficking in our community. Now, Grace men are partnering with other men and other churches in the area to reach out to the Johns who are soliciting these young girls and helping stop the problem there and telling them about the love of Jesus. We have partnered with Goshen Ministries, helping provide not only a home for orphans in Uganda, but we're helping, we've helped start a church in the last few months in Tucson for African refugees. We have invested funds and we have sent people to make sure that this ministry is successful in the long haul. We have given tens of thousands of dollars over the last few years to help fund the planting of dozens of churches all across the Southwest, reaching thousands more people for Christ. Did you know that? And we have funded the completion of three indigenous translations of the Bible for Native Americans in Mexico so they can read the gospel of Jesus in their own tongue. We have helped missionaries spread Christ's love in Europe, in the Middle East, in Africa, in Asia, and all across the Americas from the Bering Strait of Alaska to the shores of Ecuador. We have sent mission teams in just the last three years to Alaska, to Mexico, to Guatemala, and to Uganda. And by year's end, get this, by year's end, with the funds that you have given through Grace Community Church, by year's end, we will have invested over $1 million in missions in a 12-year period in Dwalwood. A million! And we have done that so that people all over the world can experience the love and grace of Christ as we have here in Tucson. God has used us together to make a kingdom difference in the lives of more people than you and I will ever be able to count. And folks, we're just getting started. Amen. But today, today is a new day. Today is the day when I think back on the story of Joshua chapter 3, which we have read about a few weeks ago. Joshua chapter 3 was that day when the Israelites came to the banks of the Jordan River one more time. They had been there 40 years before, and they had walked back into the desert. But this time, these Israelite people had walked to the banks of the Jordan. They knew that they would have to cross this to go into the promise that God had given them. And this time, they didn't cower in fear. This time, they listened to God, and they trusted God, and they believed the promises of God. This time when they walked up to the banks of the Jordan River, which were at flood stage, God told them to line up and start walking into the river and to believe in God, trusting Him by faith. And you know what? They did it. They lined up and they just started walking into the river hoping God's going to do something. Maybe He's just going to part the waters or something to help us cross. But we're marching in. We're going into this river. And we're going to believe and trust God this time. This will not be a repeat of 40 years ago. They had their own faith-filled vision for the future, and it lied on the other side of that Jordan River. They believed, they trusted God, and that was the start of their future. Today, we cross our Jordan River together. Today, we commit to our journey ahead as a community of faith, to this faith-filled vision for the future, as you have been seeing in your program for the last few weeks. This is what God is calling us to as a community 
over the next five years. God is calling us through this faith-filled vision for the future to love our community well. We commit ourselves to this task. We commit to God that we will be a community who loves our community well. We commit to our first big test of faith, which is coming together, all of us, to give sacrificially for space for grace. Are you with us? Will you make a decision, a commitment in your heart today to live by faith and not by sight? Be careful what you ask for. Will you cross the Jordan with us and by faith roll up your sleeves and join me and use whatever gifts are at your disposal to help me share Christ's love with Northwest Tucson and the world? Are you with us? Are you with us? I was hoping so. I was starting to worry and think I was in the wrong church. Man, are you with us? All right, that's what I'm talking about. Guys, when we align our faith and our lives with God's will, we put ourselves in the position for a miracle. I want you to know in whatever challenges you're facing in your life today, in your family today, some of you, I have prayed with you, I have walked with you through some difficult days. I want you to believe God that if you, if you step out by faith and you walk in obedience to God, God is going to meet you there. And you are going to have the miracle that you hope for. It may not be exactly what you look for and exactly the right the way you had in mind. You might be praying for God to make the sun stand still, not realizing this, that the earth's going around the sun. God's got all that figured out for you. But I want you to trust in God and know that when you line up your faith with obedience, God is going to do what you ask of Him. And we can expect the unexpected. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I am so thankful for this day. I am so excited to be here today and to celebrate what you are doing in the midst of Grace Community Church. Lord, this has been an awesome seven, ride, seven years ride for me and for my wife, Teresa, for our family. And I know it's just beginning. Lord, over the last 30 plus years, you have shown yourself faithful to us time and time and time again. And Lord, forgive us for those times when we forget all these ways you have worked and moved and used this little community in this room to make a profound difference throughout our community, throughout our state, our nation, planting churches, and even around the world. God, the work that you're calling us to, it's only beginning. Lord, this, min this ministry of local outreach that you are calling us to is just beginning. Lord, we pray that you would fill us with faith and promise for what you have for us. That you would give us the courage to step out in faith and to use our gifts, whatever they might be, for your purpose. That we wouldn't hesitate, that we wouldn't sit back and passively hope that somehow you're going to do it without us. But that you would call us forward and use us to do it. In Jesus' name, amen.